welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, I'm back. It was gone, gone and gone for the first week, week or so of uh, um, the NBA season. You and Alkin got together, and, and now it's us. And Ethan, Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn. He has been, uh, he's been beating up the competition. Absolutely scoring at will from multi-levels. 48% from three, I'm sure, is going to stick around. Um, undoubtedly, that is, um, there's no regression to happen here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things have gone so far with, with that young man. Absolutely. And, and with, with him, Ethan, uh, we might talk about him a little bit today because today we're going to be doing our yearly awards pots. I know what you're thinking, listeners. Wait a second, guys. We're, we're like a solid two weeks into the season. We can half into the season. Uh, and now you're doing your awards pots. Isn't that cheating? A little bit. It's a little bit cheating. And so we're going to go ahead and we are going to do it anyways. We kind of got the, the, the teachers, the first half of the test, right? I guess the first little bit, the first few questions. And, and so, you know, we're off to a good start here because we kind of know how the season, I mean, we wouldn't have picked DeAndre Ayton, right? Maybe we would have for something, but you know, now that we know he's out, we're definitely avoiding him, even though he looked really nice in that one single game. But with a week and a half into the season, Ethan, we're gonna go through and pick our pick our selections for the uh, award end of the year awards, and uh, so that, that that's kind of how we're gonna do things today, guys. Yeah, well, let's get started off with the MVP, and honestly, probably the biggest you know helpful injury of this award is Stephen Curry going out yeah. for three months. Stephen Curry, yeah. well, I think none of us thought the Warriors were gonna be a a top half of the West team. Now we know they're not going to be there, and we know it's not going to be because Steph Curry has gone nuclear again. So him him taking himself out of the MVP, this is probably the most benefited award. Um, also, the Zion Williamson injury, that's probably the second most uh, benefited. Uh, that's probably the most benefited award, obviously, because he, he, he probably would win going away if he played all 82 games or even if he plays 60 games or so. But... Richard, um, after seeing Anthony Davis play the way he has, the, the Lakers are obviously going to run things through him, maybe to the a little bit of the fault of how good the Lakers can be, but they're running things through him at the end of the day, and I think Anthony Davis is going to put up some incredible counting stats, and the Lakers are going to have a lot of votes coming that way. The media is centered in Los Angeles. I think at the end of the day, the Lakers will have a better record than the Clippers, and so my MVP comes from the Lakers, and it is Anthony Davis. See – you're not wrong with any of that stuff. Like they, first of all, you're a thousand percent correct. Like they're, they're running a zillion post-ups for him. They are, they're trying to get him the ball and they're also trying to make him not play center, which, you know, all of these are, I guess he has some say in that, but it's, 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 it's a mistake. It shouldn't happen. He could completely destroy teams, but right now he's, you know, he's playing well. He's doing what he needs to do. Anthony Davis very well could be the MVP candidate. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, I would have said, you know what? Anthony Davis seems like a reasonable pick. But, Ethan, I'm going in a different direction. Mm. I'm going to go in the direction that I always seem to go uh, when it comes to the MVP selection. I'm going Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, you, you guessed it. Kawhi Leonard, who I go with basically every year. 
in in my predictions for MVP. And and this year, Ethan, I think it very well may happen. Now you may say, you know what? They're gonna do some load management, and that that's true, that's correct. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter anyways. Right now he's playing less minutes per game than than than, than a year ago, and he's putting up more shots, scoring more points, just completely dominating the landscape, getting more assists, uh, about double his assist, his highest, not, not quite, almost. He's at, at six, over six assists when he's been in the twos and threes in the years incoming to this. And so he's really been the guy. Granted, Paul George may come back, but I don't know, Ethan. I, I think that if he goes and he can carry this team, when it's like you saw, hey, he was he did the same thing a year ago. Now he's here. That narrative might be too too difficult, even for Anthony Davis to overcome if things continue this way. Now, I think he's going to crush it, and statistically, he does a lot of things well. He rebounds, he steals, he gets blocks. He doesn't have a high turnover um, percentage, while his turnovers have increased in this small sample size. He doesn't turn the ball over compared to, like a lot compared to how much he has the ball. But I do think Paul George coming back in the middle of the season is going to take this team to a whole new height and honestly can will take some of the shine off what Kawhi Leonard does and also is likely to push down his counting stats because I have a feeling they are going to look to get Paul George heavily involved as he works his way back, trying to like kind of establish a hierarchy and get him like really involved, like kind of push all, a lot of the bench players down like in terms of how much shots they get. And I think those 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 types of shots that Paul gets are not going to be off the Kawhi Leonard pass nearly as much as some of these shots from, like, let's say, Landry Shamet, Patrick Beverly. Paul George is going to create his own offense more, which is going to take down that uh, assist anomaly stat that we've seen to start this year. Perhaps. I, I, I just I see if they continue this streak, you know, it's MVP's very narrative-driven, and his he's going to be hyper-efficient. Like like he always is, and you know, I I just I just see it happening, and we'll, we'll see. Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard, they're both guys who probably will be up there in the top three or so vote getters, and they're both the guys who you know injury could or you know choosing to sit them out to kind of prevent injury. Like those games are going to happen all the way through throughout the year as well. So it might just come down to who it happens to less. Yep. The other guy I want to throw in the mix here, um, in case this, what he's done pre prior to the suspension continues. If Carlton Towns drags his, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves team to success, he's going to be in the running. Cause this guy has played incredibly minus getting, uh, mushed and beat up and assaulted <laughs> by Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid, mainly Ben Simmons. Um, yeah. he, he was playing really well. And I don't think we can overlook him. If this team is a playoff contender, if, especially if they're like 5-4 seed type of look, ooh, it's going to be hard to like argue against this guy because he's playing super efficiently and he's dragging a not-so-great team with him. Yeah, I mean, just having to drag Andrew Wiggins himself through this makes makes that job even more difficult. I know, I, I mean. I know you're hitting the, hitting the notes here, Richard, for the jokes, but Andrew Wiggins has not been as bad as he has been most of his career lately. He He's... He's not been good, but he's had some decent games. Let's 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 try not to be so hateful so early. Okay. Well, the, when he takes less shots at Carlton Towns in a game, maybe I'll consider it. Okay. Fair enough. Moving on to our next award, we have written down in this lovely list. We're looking at Rookie of the Year, and obviously Zion Williamson would have been a huge favorite. He was yep. a huge favorite. Yep. Um, 
and the only player that like was getting a lot of buzz is like to upset him was a uh, Tyler hero at his like 25 to one when the, when the Zion was still healthy. Like people were kind of joking around with that, which I did appreciate though. I would not have bet it. Um, now it's a different heat rookie. That's kind of taken the league by storm here. And as the undrafted rookie, Kendrick Nunn has really put up some good numbers. He's averaging 22 points per game. He's shooting the three unprecedentedly well. Like he's, it's not going to stick around at 48%, but the, the, the way his shot looks, I, I could see it staying close to 40% because like it is a very smooth, um, s- smooth release. And, you know, he hasn't missed a free throw yet. So in terms of like the second, second stat that we look for three point percentage, that also helps. He hasn't taken very many, but we're going to look past that. Richard, um, there's a lot of good rookies out here. I obviously have been pretty impressed with Kendrick Nunn watching him play. Um, it's only been five games. Hard to know what's going to stick. It's not to mention some guys are going to hit a rookie wall, which I think Kendrick Nunn, for what it's worth, he's going to get scouted on. He's going to get the defenses more focused on him, but he has played an entire season in the G League. He's a little bit more accustomed to the grind of an NBA season than, say, some of these guys coming out of college. Let's also say this. If he does win, it's going to be a Ben Simmons type of deal where people are going to be like, not a rookie because he... He, well, he didn't go undrafted this year. This year's draft. It was the previous one. He played in the uh, with the Warriors last year, like you said, and and so this is technically his second year removed from college. With none, he's been the primary benefit, you know, guy benefiting from uh, the absence of Jimmy Butler. Right? He's been basically their their scoring option. Uh, along with Tyler Hero, both those guys. But when Jimmy Butler comes back, they've said Tyler Hero's probably going to go to the bench and not none. None is apparently going to stay in the starting lineup. So that, that bodes well for him. If you put up 22 points per game in your rookie season, like with a team that is not awful, like my pick is going to be, then, you know, you've got the counting stats. And really, that's what you what people look for as far as rookies, because that's really all that you can look for. Those kind of stats, hey, he's got 22 points, getting almost nearly two steals. You know, he's got a couple of assists. It's not zero, so it's not just a He's a, a one-to-one assist to turnover, you know. Like that's... So that's great. It, it's a, I mean, it's, it, it's, what you, it's what you're looking for. Can he sustain it beyond the first few games? We'll see, but it's not – unreasonable and you had to get that that pick off ethan you know being who you are it, it makes sense too though like like i said I, I can back it up with logic aside from like my passion for the heat is like if you average if you average these points that's that's rookie of the year numbers if if you've had a season in the g league where you've played you know a bunch of games comparatively to these college guys you're gonna you should be able to physically last better than these other kids and so like that's all that is logic not to mention this guy gets to play with some reckless abandon out there because he's been empowered by his coaching staff already like this guy is starting ahead of a you know two years ago all-star Goran Dragic now Goran Dragic has taken a lot of steps backwards in terms of how good of a player he is but you know you can go out there and play your heart out and if you make mistakes, well, you know what? We do have a backup to come in there and like kind of hold down the fort. Like, there's there's no pressure on him to perform great. He's just going out there and playing free, and I think that's going to help him a lot. Not because he's got Justice Winslow who's going to handle the ball a lot. He's got Goran Dragic off the bench. Not to mention Jimmy Butler who's going to be very um, for, um, forceful in that uh, starting lineup. Like he's got enough depth around him that he can just play like his hair's on fire and just go to town, which is healthy. That's a healthy way to play basketball. 
where I'm going with this is someone else who's doing a lot, who I just think it's a little bit more sustainable, uh, RJ Barrett, because there's never going to be a time where he's not getting his minutes. Like he is, he's out there to put up right now, nearly 18 points per game, uh, six and a half rebounds, three assists, one to one assist turnover ratio. And you know what? He's hitting 39% from three. These are the types of numbers that you look at. You're saying, hey, is is R.J. Barrett, is he doing what we would expect him to do? And the answer is yes. He's the number two pick. It's, well, we don't, you know, at the end of the year, what ends up happening sometimes is if it's kind of close between Kendrick Nunn and R.J. Barrett, they're going to be like, well, we don't want to look silly in a couple of years. We better go with the guy who was, who was proven initially. Let's go R.J. Barrett. And so that would be where I see, where I would see this going. They're both putting up respectable numbers, but you know I think you got to go with the uh, with, with RJ Barrett there. I think the most attractive thing about how RJ's playing, and this is again all of this is small sample size, kiddos, but mm-hmm. RJ Barrett. What was the thing we were scared about? He was going to be try to be a mid range god, right? That's what mm-hmm. we were scared of. Right now, from sixteen to three point, he's only taking two percent of his shots from there, and nine percent from ten to sixteen feet. So with that in mind. That is a good sign for a young guy who we were a little worried about if his physicals were going to translate to the NBA when he's not the biggest guy on the floor or one of the biggest guys on the floor, when he's not faster than everybody else, not stronger than everybody else, how is he going to get to the bucket? And if he's a bad three-point shooter, which he was in college, how is he going to how's he going to translate all this? And he hasn't taken mid-rangers. He shot the three well. I think the things he's doing right now are very good signs for him being an effective NBA player for a very long time. And, you know, with this, it's, you begin to look back at last year's Duke team, like, okay, well, how much of last year's Duke team was because maybe he just isn't as good as we thought he was, or because of, you know, the coach K we've got too many guys here who kind of need the ball in the hands and sorry, tough luck, RJ. You just didn't, you just didn't get the opportunities and you didn't get the, the quality teammates. He still is playing with a bunch of power forwards, but it's it's okay. They're better uh, power forwards. Better power forwards. Um, and, you know, I I think that it would be reasonable to expect R.J. Barrett to, to be out there at the end. Hey, and also, like, R.J. Barrett's been playing on the AAU circuit, playing for uh, Team World and all these kinds of things. Like, he, has a, he has had a bigger representation um, nationally, globally, as a young player than a lot of the – other rookies and so I, I think if we're talking about like having the legs the last an two game season he's more likely even than some of the other rookies to be able to play and stay healthy and effective for a long term not as much as Kendrick Nunn who's played an entire season in the G League but you know we're talking about the legacy thing RJ Barrett looks a lot better as a Roy than uh than Kendrick Nunn yeah for sure coach of the year Ethan huh. um Go ahead. Um, I was going to go with Quinn Snyder. You know, I love Quinn Snyder. I love the Jazz. I think they're a fun team. Um, got away from Mike Conley to turn the switch a little bit because that's been that's been rough to watch. Yeah. And yeah. I I hope it's just a I've played one way for my entire career, and I'm struggling with that transition, but I'll make it. That's what I hope is happening. Um, I actually picked the Nuggets to have the best record in the West and to win the the Northwest Division. And there's a little bit of scratch on that as well. Um, but I do think Quinn Snyder is going to have this team humming by the end of the season. I think it'll be 1-2 in the West. 
uh, uh, Nuggets and Jazz, and I think Quinn Snyder is probably a little bit more friendly with the media in terms of they they kind of like him better than Malone. Malone's been kind of a joke in Sacramento and kind of a joke in Denver before he turned it around. So I don't think the media love's going to go to him, even though maybe he should be the winner. I don't know. But I'm going with Quinn. I think it's a fair pick. I want to go with Spo because I think the Heat are going to be a top three seed in the East. I think they're going to be the three seed. And um, with that with that in mind, like they could win it. But Richard, we were talking pre-pod that good coaches don't win Coach of the Year. And I'm hoping we make the exception for Quinn. Yeah, usually it's not the good coaches. Usually it's like a surprise, like, whoa. This, we weren't expecting this team to do well, and you happen to be the coach of this team, and they did better than we expected, so it must have been you. Monty Williams. Going Monty Williams here because, guys, I mean, for me, I was not feeling the Phoenix Suns. I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, I, I, th- I thought it was going to be another bad year for them. Uh, I did not know that Aaron Baines would be the answer. Well, and while he has played well, it's Ricky Rubio, Richard. Ricky Rubio yeah. is that guy in terms of floor raisers. And I know in the over-unders really? pod, no one else picked the over for the Suns, but it was at 29 and a half. And I honestly was looking at that. And I'm like, man, there's just so much that Ricky Rubio can do with this surrounding talent. Whether it just be Book getting easier shots because he's not on ball the entire time. Kelly Oubre, very good off-ball player. Good at slashing, good at finding space for some three-pointers. And I honestly thought that DeAndre Ayton, because he's such an efficient scorer, would be able to beast on everyone with Ricky Rubio hitting him on those little, you know, uh, short rolls and uh, pick and pops. Like I thought Ayton would do incredibly. He just got suspended. So, yeah. with all that in mind, like, they also got shooters like Bridges and Cam Johnson. Like, I, I just thought this team had enough talent that they were going to rattle off some games with improved coaching and a very a very big improvement at point guard. And, you know, that's why I picked their over. But uh, to win coach of the year, I feel like you got to be pushing for the playoffs. I do not project the Suns to be pushing for the playoffs, even as well as they've played thus far. So here's what you got to recognize, though. The Phoenix Suns, through the small sample size, are 8th in offensive rating, 7th in defensive rating with an expected win-loss of 5-1. And, and they're 4-2, and two even. So what we can say is that they've been unlucky, even. I'm, you know, as I as I look at this at this team, and as I look and see where things might go, you're right. I don't see them necessarily making, making the playoffs because I I didn't believe them initially. I feel like it would be a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah, you're breaking say, your you neck on the snapback here. Yeah, so it's like... It, in. Right now, this is the, okay, we've seen the first couple, uh, you know, weeks of the season. Let me go ahead and hedge with the Monty Williams uh, coach of the year thing while still saying, even if they hit the under, then I can say I told you so later on. That's fine. <laughs> I, I think the regression for some of their players is, is bound to happen. I don't think Baines is going to shoot 46% from three. I don't think Booker is going to shoot 47% from three, even though he's really good. And then also Javon Carter, as much as um, he's he's living up to the Chris Vernon players that can't fail moniker right now, I don't see that sticking around at 45% either. Um, so some of these things are going to come back to earth. But, you know, Mikel Bridge is shooting 41% or 14% from three. So that's probably going to turn around as well. But at the end of the day, Richard, I actually do like this team. I like kind of the base that they built here with their shooters, Mikel and Cameron. Um I like eight. I like Aiton in the middle. He hasn't played very much, obviously, but I, I do. I do like him as a 
he's gonna he's gonna rattle off 15 years in this league, and it's gonna be much like Lamarcus Aldridge. We're gonna be like, oh wait, yeah, that guy's been really good like this entire time, and uh, people aren't are, aren't gonna really respect it. With that, executive of the year. Yeah, and with this award. I just got to give it to the Clippers, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't really feel good about any teams, like, specifically. But getting Paul George and Kawhi, package deal, retaining so much of their, like, role players around those guys. Like, you lost uh, lost Shea, who, to me, I I love him so much. It it hurts me that he has to go to OKC. But this team's really good. Shamet, Lou, Harrell. I think the hardest thing they're going to do is figure out what the closing lineup is because I do worry about their rebound and I do worry about them being able to protect the rim. But they got two of the best guys to keep guys from getting to the rim and getting anywhere inside the paint with uh, with George and Kawhi. I think the Clippers did a fantastic job. I don't know who their executives are other than I know they have a bunch of them. Jerry West, the guy who used to write for ESPN. Winger. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lawrence Frank. Lawrence Frank. He's, he's one of them. So – Clippers win. I don't care who they give the credit to. For me, I I probably would have gotten Clippers before the season, um, but it would have been between the Clippers and the team I'm picking now, the 76ers, because you're in the you're in the Eastern Conference. I I was very high on the on the Sixers as I think a lot of people have been. I just love what they've done with the roster overall, and so maybe this is just a pick of hey, this is my favorite kind of thing and concept let's just go huge with everyone on the floor and they they found the right personnel to, to quite fit that and so for me I'm just gonna go the Sixers uh in that regard Elton Brand way way to be even though you've kind of been really high and really low it's like at times it's the moves he's made like wow that was a really really bold crazy move man you might get fired for that and then okay now look what you did here and so it's been a little bit of back and forth. I'll just go with the Sixers, but the Clippers uh, are reasonable as well. Here's the thing about the Sixers. I love it too, Richard. It's one. It's it's probably my favorite team to like just think about. Mm-hmm. And when I was asked by, as I I am kind of the NBA guy at my uh, my place of employment, I was asked by our GM who's going to win the championship, and I said the Sixers, which. Which he might, I mean, I'm, I'm worried he's going to take it to the bank because <laughs> last year when the playoffs started, I picked the Raptors and uh, <laughs> and they ended up winning. So maybe he's going to start believing me a little bit. Well, right now, let me see. I'm trying to pull up their odds. We don't have to dwell on this, but I, I, I think the Sixers are going to win the championship. I really do. I think unless the like, health just fails them, I think they got the most talent and the most unique matchup. It's like, I don't know how you guard them. Other than hope they can't make shots. You hope they can't make shots, and then you hope that Ben Simmons uh, kind of is afraid of shooting like he has been, but that that affects him in other ways. And Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I guess you can clog the paint when he has the ball in his hands, but you, you can't leave Josh Richardson, you can't leave Tobias Harris, and Al Horford, he's going to make the right decision if he gets the ball kicked to him. Just do some dribble handoffs to the top of the key. Like, just that's, that's it. Just do that. And you'll be fine. Uh, I, I have a lot of faith in this team. Sixth man of the year. Mm. We're, we're we're going homer. <laughs> yeah, we are. And I think we should lead this off by saying, if Lou Williams plays most of his games on the bench, we understand Lou Williams is going to win this award. We understand that they've renamed the award after him, and and or at least they will in the future. So we get it. It's fine. But 
Lou Williams has started a game this year, so I'm I'm saying I'm saying he, he, the criteria he'll he'll be. <laughs> there's no way they're going to start him enough to make him disqualify for I know. for this criteria. But anyway, like so, I think we all understand Lou Williams will win this award. But here's my argument for the non-Lou Williams people, and I'm gonna go with Goran Dragic, who two years ago was an All-Star player. It was it was a injury sub, but Goran Dragic was an All-Star player. He's gonna get 20 to 20, 20 to 28 minutes a night, um, playing alongside Justice Winslow, alongside Kendrick Nunn, Jimmy Butler. And he's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to rack up assists. He's going to rack up points. And he's going to do it efficiently because I think Goran Dragic, for the first time in a couple years, is going to have legs under him again. He's going to be able to kind of pick his spots, when to go off, really focus on getting to the basket, getting involved. And I think he's going to be really efficient. I'm struggling to pull up his basketball reference page, which is why I'm doddering on. But he is right now, six through five games, 16 points, four assists per game, shooting 36% from three. His free throw percentage is 69%, which frustrates me because the heat stink at shooting free throws. Um, but anyway, he's he's playing he's playing less minutes than he has in years past. Actually, he's playing the exact same amount as last year, but last year was injury riddled. This year he's going to be healthy, and he's going to play a lot of games. He's going to come off the bench for all of them, and he's going to win sixth man of the year. So let me let me take you through the Derrick Rose um, uh you know, campaign here. So the one thing that he's not going to win at is three-point percentage, 25%. And I don't expect him. He takes less than one a game, and it's usually not planned. He plays a strict 25 minutes a game. This is so strict that he is legitimately averaging 25.0 points, sorry, minutes per game. It's like, that's what he does. You can tell he's on that minutes restriction. They even said it. 25 minutes a game, and in this 25 minutes a game, Ethan, he's averaged nearly 21 points. Mm. He has averaged six, six and a half, six to six and a half assists in those 25 minutes. He's got a steal, and he is, you know, knocking it down at about 90% from the free throw line. He makes the most of his time when he's on the floor. In those 25 minutes, he takes 15 shots. That's what he does, and he's been hyper efficient so far. The Pistons. With all of our point guard woes and Reggie Jackson out and, you know, we've decided we are keeping him as our sixth man. He's coming off the bench. Him and Luke Kennard have been our bench unit and we've destroyed benches. That's literally all that we've had until we've made some more recent uh, switches, putting Luke Kennard into the starting lineup because of the injury and, and our starting lineup literally being able to score no points outside of Andre Drummond. So with this... I think that we are setting him up for that campaign. You look at what you know Lou Williams is doing. Lou Williams is averaging uh, about ju- you know just as many points uh, per game, but he's doing it in thirty minutes at thirty minutes a game. And so these three guys are basically doing the same thing. They're the guys running the bench unit, and they're the guys with the ball in their hands. We'll see. We'll see who has the healthiest year who's able to continue continually do it year year round and well it's been Lou Williams it's, it's been when he it's does it's going to be Lou Williams it's probably barring injury it's Lou Williams probably yep on to Depoy let's let's just um, say this is kind of the same deal as Lou Williams but not as much of a lock but I'm going to just say what I think is going to continue and it's Rudy Gobert Rudy Gobert has been really good still 
His team is number one in defensive rating. And I think the the point to make here is that the team defensively has gotten worse than they were a year ago, like in terms of personnel. Like, I think the only improvement would be Conley in the starting lineup, but him and Ricky Rubio, I think, are probably pretty much a wash. Like, maybe Conley's better. I'm not positive. But Bojan's definitely worse than Derek Favors was as a defender, not to mention that they don't have a really good – like, Ed Davis is not a great defensive center, and it still hasn't mattered in terms of them succeeding when Gobert's it, – it's like their their lack of success with Gobert off the floor hasn't affected – the, the number one defensive rating, which I think will continue throughout the year. Jeff Green, not a great defender. Joe Ingles, okay, but he's aging. I think he's covering a lot of mistakes, and I think he will continue to cover a lot of mistakes. Utah will finish with the best defensive team in basketball, and thus he gets the award. You want to talk about covering a lot of mistakes. <laughs> oh, I know where you're going, and I agree with you, Richard. Andre Drummond. My goodness. This man has literally been the only thing keeping the Pistons from being like 0-7 to begin the year. It's literally been it. He's been averaging 20 and 20, obviously. 20 points does not really contribute to a defensive player of the year candidacy. However, if you begin to look at some of the stats, he is leading the league in blocks. He is uh, right up there. He's third in steals. Of course, you know, he's getting all of the defensive rebounds. And if this was 2K, they would have given it to him a million times over because they value defensive rebounding as a defensive stat in 2K. But when you look at him out there, he's also up second in deflections. He's everywhere on the floor, and he's had some monster games. And if you look at some of the people who've been out there with him, it's been it's been a, you know, Tim Frazier. Has, has been out there playing, unfortunately, lots of minutes. We've had Tim Frazier, Luke Kennard um, backcourts where, where he's been he's been having to, you know, take over and, and you know, make, make up for all their mistakes. It's been rough, Ethan. Uh, and Andre Drummond has come to play. It's contract year Andre Drummond, and I think contract year Andre Drummond has what it takes to win Defensive Player of the Year. Yep, and let's take a look at some of the teams that he's played against. So Indiana, that was a win. Um, not not as impressed with these Indiana wins, which are two of the three. But the one, the game I watched last night, we, we kind of focused on this game a little bit before deciding exactly what we were going to pot about today. And Kyrie Irving did not have a, a super effective driving night. And the Nets as a whole did not have a very effective driving night with Drummond on the floor until the fourth quarter when, like, things were kind of getting a little hairy there. And I think that's a really good testament to how good he he played because Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie against the D- Detroit guards had their way getting past them and then were constantly deterred once they got to the rim. And that's a that's a big that's a big thing to do. Um that's that's what I wanted to mention is they you know the team's losing games right now because they don't have the right matchups with all these injuries and not to mention the Pistons aren't that deep of a team in my opinion. But last night's win against Brooklyn, it was a lo- it was all Andre Drummond and it was like, even even on offense and on defense he kept the Nets out of their paint and that was I, critical. Mm-hmm. I will say Bruce Brown did as good of a job as he could have done. On, on Kyrie, That's also but fair. If, if you've got some other center in there, when Andre Drummond went out during stretches, like that second quarter, oh my word, it was it, like, 
immediately with with um you know Thon Maker in there and it, it it just it became uh here here's the rim go and attack it. I believe they had like twenty points in like for like the majority of the second quarter they got all of their points at the rim because Andre Drummond was sitting. It was it was a rough time, but when he was out there he en- ended up with five blocks, three steals. He was controlling the paint, controlling the rim, and it was um, it was something to behold. I enjoyed it, personally. Yep, Drummond, you know, uh, he, he he gets slept on a lot, and it's kind of like he gets kind of unfairly maligned as well, which is it's it's weird because I I don't know like so many centers get praised for doing such lets, but I don't know Andre Drummond maybe because he's just goofy looking. I don't know. It's it's well it's at the same time hair on the shoulders. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with with some of our own like the own Pistons fans as they're out there they they see where he takes a possession off defensively like everyone does but just because it's it's on the Pistons and it's so much worse he's got to be covering up for so many you know so many uh, sins of everyone else it, it looks he gets put in bad situations and people think that defensive that just rebounding itself is. Um, you know, those are empty stats, and you know what? It if, is a loser stat. Okay, well, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Now, now, now that you got Hassan Whiteside off your team, loser stats. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, last award we're gonna do today: most improved. And now Richard brought to my attention that this guy didn't play very much in their most recent game. Don't care. This was what I wanted to pick before the season started. So, uh. I'm not going to pay attention to it. Brandon Ingram, most improved. The guy's been playing really well. Um, thought it, thought he would perform well. Thought he'd perform a little bit less well because I thought Zion Williamson would be sucking up all the oxygen in the arena. But Brandon Ingram, with, with Zion out especially, has had a lot of room to work. He's been shooting the ball probably more, better than it's going to actually stick around and be. But he's he's getting to the rim. He's shooting the three well. I, I'm not going to say he plays defense well because I haven't paid attention, but... I think he's going to have the uh, the statistical bump um, that he needs to win Most Improved Player of the Year. I I mean perhaps he might very well might with with Zion out. It's who else are you going to be really playing uh, and giving lots of minutes to and, and giving your attention on offense uh, to if if you're that team. You just it has to be Brandon Ingram. Um, granted he could get moved at some point if depending on how the season goes and if they think they can get something valuable for him if they don't think that he's part of their future but he'll, he'll, he's getting a lot of opportunity uh, at the moment with the exception of of uh, the last game you mentioned and for me I was struggling to, to find and figure out who this is going to be because this this award is so subjective it's very like you got to find someone who didn't do quite as well and, and sometimes it makes sense but sometimes it just kind of feels made up and it's very narrative driven at the end of the season and I don't know we, we said okay well Markel Fultz maybe maybe it's him because now he's actually playing basketball but maybe that's more comeback player of, of the year type of thing if you look at his stats they're they're just they're just okay. They're they're not nothing great. But you feel bad picking like a a, a guy like Luka Doncic or Trey Young, where it's like okay, well, those guys were like the top two picks a year ago, and they're they seem to be taking more of a jump. You you really don't feel like you should be a 
you know, rewarding that as most improved because that's really not the focus of that like, award. They're taking so, an expected leap. They're taking an expected leap. Usually this is from someone who we don't normally expect, like our Pascal Siakam's. People have even suggested Pascal Siakam. He was most improved last year, and it maybe it's him again this year. I don't know. I don't really have a pick here, Ethan, because it's it's just such a weird thing. What you said with Brandon Ingram seems fine to me, um, but who who is to know? Maybe maybe we just say no one's improved this year, Ethan, and just don't give the award out because it's a silly award. Well, you know, I hear you, and I don't like that. Fair and enough. if we're gonna if we're gonna not give out an award, I'm just gonna give it to Bam Adebayo because. Insert heat bias everywhere. Fine, I'm giving it, giving it to Luke Kennard then. That's fair. I think it really is. Um, but, you know, Luke Kennard's not going to average a double-double with five right. rebounds. No, here's the thing. Luke Kennard is going to knock down over 45% of his threes, and it's he's literally going to do what five. he did last year. He's, he's, let's see. Continue let's, let's, let's that? That's that's pretty good, bud. If you, oh, sorry, he's at, he's at 43 and a half right now. He was over 45 last year. So it's... You get more opportunity. This is generally a, a you get more opportunity. You're someone who's been doing all right, and or maybe you make a mini leap, but that extra opportunity just blows up the counting stats. I don't know, man. I really do think that uh, Bam Adebayo could win this award for the simple fact that he's gonna he's gonna get a double double, like 15 and 10, and he's gonna. I think his assist numbers are gonna stick around because he's bringing the ball to the floor like a bat out of hell sometimes, and it's a, it's entertaining to see. So like. Like theoretically, thirty-year player—that's kind of like the year, the frame. Like, I could see it happening. While I don't think it will, because I think the Heat are going to be too good of a team as a whole to get a lot of buzz for that kind of award. Yeah. You, plus, you've given them too many awards already. I, I, like I said, pre-pod, I said, aside from finding an MVP on this team, I think I could make a reasonably fair argument for every award. Depoy would be the next hardest because Bam, while he's really solid, he does get a little beasted when he's uh, overwhelmed with some size. Yeah. Oh, man. But the Heat are fifth in defensive rating. Pretty good. Small sample size. Small sample size. What's SRS? Oh, man. Who would you – so, so we, we've, we've done this, Ethan. Is there we, – we've said who we think might be the most valuable, you know, rookie and, and most valuable player and coach of the year. Do we have anti-picks for this? Oh, I don't know. Like, like if we're doing the anti-paper coach oh, of the year, it's got to be Luke Walton. Luke Walton right? is trash. So. Let me tell you. Um, I love the Kings in terms of as an aesthetic team. You got Darren. Darren Fox is potentially my favorite 2K player um, for the record. He was my favorite. He was my favorite player. I, I was going through um, old pod notes and, and for like the sec- our second pod ever, it's like Darren Fox, my favorite player in this draft. And... And and so reading that brought me warm, some warm fuzzies. I avoided all the Marco Fultz stuff <laughs> from up there, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's like what, what what's going on there? You 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 boot out a coach who had you know you, you saw a lot of promise with with the team and together because he didn't like him, and we bring in Luke Walton and it's just well, yeah the on, Kings, Kings like come on think about what happened last year had a lot of had health benefits they they played well with a really healthy roster. They they make some changes. Now, these changes, like, I thought were not needle movers when we, we talked about them. Corey Joseph, you, you back a point guard. What's it matter? You're, 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 if, if De'Aaron Fox isn't playing 38 minutes a game, you're doing something wrong anyway. You're screwed. Um, but he healed. Like, he yeah. was, you know, 
played it really well last year. Like thought that would probably con- uh, continue, and it probably will at some point. But your team played worse when Harrison Barnes was acquired, technically speaking. So you're going to give him more minutes and get in the way of Marvin Bagley because Harrison Barnes needs to play some four. Okay, interesting choice. Dwayne Dedman, theoretically, much better than Willie Cauley-Stein. Practicality, it hasn't happened yet. Richard Holmes has been a, a, a bright spot because he's a hustle big. But Harry Giles, to my knowledge, hasn't played this year. They didn't. They didn't pick up his his uh, option. So there's got to yeah. be something health health. So like again, like last year they had a really healthy season. This year they have not. <sighs> Marvin Bagley's not playing because he's got a thumb injury. Like it's just a bunch of little things right now. And then I think your coach is worse. I think Dave Yeager is one of the better X's and O's coach in terms of he takes what he's given and makes it work. Like I think about those Memphis teams and how vastly different they played than these the Kings team last year. And I respect that in a coach who can put take two vastly different types of talent and make it work. Dave Yeager, just go ahead and like send a birthday card to someone. Do something to make yeah, yourself he, more likable. He must, he must be because... just the worst. Because <laughs> he's actually like he he's done well with his talent everywhere he yes. goes, but he must just yeah. make people so annoyed because everyone just gets rid of him. It's hilarious. Um, so for my least valuable player, oh, and I don't know be what mean. you said at the beginning of the pod. I'm going and I'm going Andrew Wiggins. I'm sorry if I look. Uh, I will go Andrew Wiggins for as long as I see him taking more field goal attempts than Carl Anthony Towns. That 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 is where I stand. Andrew Wiggins, you're taking 18 field goal attempts. Per game, Carl Anthony Towns is taking 17. Can't can't happen. You need to be taking at least 10 less to find five less shots than Carl Anthony Towns. In fact, give Carl Anthony Towns all of your shots, and you would be in a better. All right, anti-executive of the year, Orlando Magic, making the same mistakes mistakes that the <laughs> yes. Heat made, and the, when they went on a hot streak to end the season, um, and then you added. You, you, went, you know what? Build strength on strength. They added an Alfred Camino to a front court that had a million front court players, so good, good on them. I think that works mm-hmm. better in football than basketball. Yeah, I mean, you're really putting a lot of a lot of stock in. All right, Markel Fultz, Wait, you're going to be the guy. We're rooting for so, that, but I mean... And, and then we are. It's not like we're not, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I, yeah. Ugh. It's rough. Anti-depoy is Zach please. Levine because he is consistently getting Lindell Carter <laughs> yes. dunked on or putting him in bad situations. I love Zach Levine. I really do. But he's bad at defense. It. Let's see. I mean, you, you could also give that one to basically anyone on the Rockets. I mean, did you well, see okay, that? How, but if we're going to give it to the Rockets, to the we got to give it to someone on the Wizards because they did it again like a night later, giving up a lot of points. But yeah, but you expect you expect the Wizards to to do it. I mean, you're starting. Ish Smith, and you got Isaiah Thomas as your so, backup but, point guard. So, you're starting it, a rookie. So, expectation uh, like negates reality, Richard. Is that what I'm hearing from you? You know, is, I mean, this is not is, a narrative-driven award. What it is. <laughs> We're gonna make it one right now. Okay. Oh goodness. Uh, least improved player. So, who who regresses the most? Who's who has regressed the most? Let's. Oh, that man. sounds like a very I'm mean award. Sure. Right now, it's Mike Conley. But that I hope that doesn't continue. Yeah, at the moment. No, it's 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 true. Uh, it could be could we Mike Conley. We could say. I mean, can, can I give it to Andrew no, Wiggins he, again? He, I'm just kidding. No, he, he has not, he's gotten, not gotten worse, worse. Richard. He just okay, he's just still fair. not good. It's fine. Um, this is a very oh, mean spirited award. I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. 
the the worst six man of the year? Kyle Kuzma, because he's not there. Oh, he's not there. He's supposed to be there. He hasn't been there. <laughs> all right, there we go. We got done with our with our, with our mean segment of the day. All right. Well, that's that's all I got for you, Richard. If 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 any of those me if any of those um you know if if those guys whoever we've mentioned starts playing or coaching or or executing better then we'll give him a little bit of a little bit of props just because we knocked him down so much. We'll be fair yeah, here. But not to Luke podcast. Walton, who's got his team's 28th in offensive rating and 26th in defensive rating. This is an offensive coach, I thought. And a, a De'Aaron Fox-led team is 26th in pace. What are you doing? What are you oh, doing? Oh, come on. Let's look come at on. last season. Where were they last season? Oh, they were 5th. Oh, they were 5th in pace. Extending. They were 5th in pace. My goodness. Do better, Luke Walton. Do better. Do All better. Right. I'm done. All right, Ethan. We're done. We're done with it. Um, when Kendrick Nunn not only wins Rookie of the Year, but MVP, um, you know, we'll, we'll be ready for it.